Hi and welcome to another episode of Up Next. As per usual, this is your host Ali Murtadam, and today's episode of Up Next is super special because I'm joined by F3 racing driver Amnal Kubesi. Now, before we get into this episode and the cue the music, I want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in and to say Ramadan Kareem to everyone listening, since this is the first episode to drop since Ramadan started. May it be a blessed month that brings you and your family peace and serenity in the midst of the chaos that we're living through. And now, cue the music. So, hi Abna and welcome on Up Next. Hi Ali, it's really nice to meet you virtually. <laughs> it's amazing to meet you, honestly, and it's amazing to have you on the podcast. Unfortunately, it is virtually. Hopefully, there will be a studio soon. But until then, we got to make the best out of it. And I'm really happy to have you here. So enough from my side. I want to learn all about yourself and your journey as a racer. So why don't we get right into it by you telling us a bit more about yourself? I am. As you know, my name is Amnal Kubesi. I'm 21 years old. I am currently a student in Sorbonne University. Uh, I study records management and archival science. I've been in the racing industry since I was 14 years old. And I'm still in it till now, thankfully, thanks to my sponsors and my family for the full support. And yeah, I'm the first female Arab to win a single seater in F4 and the first female Arab to compete in Formula 3. That is absolutely impressive. And these are all things that we're going to get into throughout the episode. But usually I like to start by taking it back to the very, very beginning. So you were saying your journey started when you were 14 years old. So why don't you tell us a bit more about the beginnings of your journey with racing? Uh, yeah, in the beginning, I first started in uh, gymnastics. I was competing uh, in an elite group. I was doing it for 10 years and I would also go to the U.S. to train. But uh, in 2009, my father, he started his motorsports journey and we would always support him and watch him on TV. And in most cases, he would bring the team when there's races in the UAE, he'd bring the team over and they would basically like uh, spend the night with us, have dinner with us. And it was just a really nice atmosphere and experience. And from that point, it hit me and I was like, I want to try motorsports. I want to get into this industry. And that's when my dad uh, coached me and he took me to Al Fursan and trained me from there. Wow. So this is all it takes. It's just, I think I was reading, uh, I was doing my homework before and it seems like racing definitely runs in your family. I believe your father is also an incredible racer. Your sister, your younger sister is also starting out. So mm -hmm. I think, I mean, how is it like to be in a house where everyone is pretty much a racing champion? It's pretty amazing. Also, like my brothers were in it and they were good too, but uh, they said racing wasn't for them. So now like in a professional level, it's just me and my sister and my father. So it's, uh, it's something like we could never stop talking about. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it definitely runs in the genes by now. And now you started when you were 14 years old. And I, I'm sure that, you know, with racing, you probably start by karting and then you rise through the ranks of the F4, F3, etc. So mm -hmm. when you first started, when you, you know, you started with karting and the you know, the smaller levels, did you ever see yourself competing on the higher levels like you are now or kind of taking your sport to the next level? Um, when I was younger, I took it more of as a hobby. I would only compete 
nationally. But uh, as my father saw me like competing and winning, he told me, now you need, you're up for a challenge. We're going to go to Europe and you're going to start competing in Europe. And I pretty much did really well in Europe, considering it's my first time being on European tracks. Um, I claimed top five in one of the heats out of 64 drivers. So from then on, my dad was like, now it's time to move up to the next step, which is Formula 4. Wow. And, you know, speaking on taking it to the next step and to the next levels, how was it like, you know, to stand on that for first podium, hearing the UAE national anthem play in the background when you won your first trophy, you got your first uh, P1? Um, it was something amazing. It was full of emotions. I don't know if I should jump in happiness or <laughs> cry. Um, it's something that was amazing. Like, I never imagined it to happen and I always dreamed about it to happen. So seeing that come true was full of emotions. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a moment that you'll forever cherish because it's not something that, you know, comes every day and not for everyone too. And now, you know, something that is extremely special about your racing journey is not just that, you know, you are a racing, a racing driver that came out of the Middle East and there's not that mu that many, unfortunately. And, but you are also, like you were saying in the beginning, you are the first female driver in the UAE and you have claimed so many titles as the first female Middle Eastern woman, uh, sorry, first female Middle Eastern woman, <laughs> the first female <laughs> to claim so many titles and things in Saudi and all in Formula E. So how is it like for you, you know, as a woman, do you think that made your experience any different? Um, for sure. Like as a woman, you know, I do get a lot of exposure, but at the same time, you know, it's a male dominated sport. So you do get bullied on track a lot and underestimated a lot, especially, you know, female and Arab. It's something that's out of the norm when it comes to European championships. So I do get underestimated a lot. Definitely. I think you don't always hear of, you know, when you think of racing, when you think of Formula 3 or Formula 4, the first thing that comes to mind wouldn't be, you know, an Arab uh, in a car, right? It would be a European on a Western track, exactly like you're saying. And I think I actually read this thing where it said that you and your sister were two of, were the only two female drivers in the uh, F4 in Italy or something like that. Yes. How was it like to, you know, be, be surrounded by all of that? And th does it make, you know, having to prove yourself more difficult? Yeah, it has because, you know, when you do the championship twice, you know, you get a lot of expectations. But unfortunately, I did not have the same track mileage as my competitors. I would always jump straight into the championship with like six months of no practice, no training. So it was always like a game of catching up. So, you know, after going through all of this, and I'm sure you, you're probably going through this now, as you take it to the higher and higher levels in F3, what would, you know, be your advice to other female drivers and just women that want to get into the motorsports industry, but feel that they're, you know, they are, they are dominated by men, which is true. Mm -hmm. So you know, this could discourage people and, you know, it tells them to, you know, why should I enter, right? But with people like you paving the road, it shows that it's absolutely possible. So what would be your advice to someone like that? 
I would tell them to keep on persisting as when I started, I never even thought about it being a male dominated sport. I just said, you know, this is something I would like to try and I would like to be a part of despite it being just male, you know, you just keep on persisting. Absolutely. And, you know, it takes someone to start and then, you know, show that it can be done for others to follow suit and, you know, do it themselves, which is exactly what you're doing, which is absolutely incredible. And now, you know, I usually like to ask whenever I bring athletes and sports mm-hmm. people on the podcast about what the sport is to them. And because I think it's different when, you know, when your relationship to a sport is different than that to your company, your startup or your project and things like that. So what is racing to you? Racing to me is like my therapy. You know, people take night cruises and listen to music. But for me, pushing to the limit, breaking hard, and the speed is kind of like my therapy. I mean, actually speaking of speed, a, a question that I always have in mind as someone that, you know, I, I recently started watching Formula One and like getting to the, the whole racing thing because uh, obviously because I watched the Netflix documentary, <laughs> I'm sure there's been plenty of us that migrated over to the motorsports industry from that. But you know, how does it feel like when you're going at such speeds, like you're just flying literally through a track at speeds that for an entire race, that speeds that literally the average human being will never reach in their lives. Like, what is even going through your mind at the time? Uh, my mind is like, I want to go faster. <laughs> I want more grip. I want fresher tires. I want more downforce. Um, I would, I would like a driver in front of me to get a tow. So a lot of these thoughts are in my head. And does it ever? Do you ever, while you're racing, like just pause and go, like, "Oh, I'm driving at 200 kilometers per hour. Nice." Or you know, I am literally flying through the track. <laughs> does this ever happen to you? No, actually, because um, when we have the steering wheel, it doesn't show your speed. It just shows in the RPM, and I don't know what the RPM I'm going through in kilometers per hour. So when we would watch the video, it would show you know the speed I'm in, and I'm like, "Oh." I'm going pretty fast here. <laughs> <laughs> and does this ever affect you? Like when you're driving normally, do you ever like, uh, are you ever on like Shirzai Road? You see someone going like 120, like, Yo, what is this guy doing? He's dead on the way, you know? <laughs> uh, I used to, but then I got a cut, like I got caught by radars a lot and I had so many fines <laughs> and I got a big uh, word from my dad. <laughs> Like, you get one more fine, you're not driving any car anymore. <laughs> I mean, fair enough, fair enough, because you see, this is something that a lot of new drivers, myself included, you know, get trapped into the whole fines thing. And I can't mm-hmm. imagine, like, driving at 200 in the week and then, then being forced to, you know, drive at 80 behind an SUV. It's not giving <laughs> you any form of a toll. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, you know, uh, I want to get into the next kind of segment of the interview where it's all about challenges and mistakes. And I, I really like this, uh, you know, segment thing because I think that a lot of people can learn by just hearing the full story and getting to know the challenges, the bitter parts and the mistakes. Because whenever you ask someone, right, whenever someone would 
walk up to you and ask you about your racing journey, they'd probably say, oh, what is your greatest achievement, right? What, what is all that? Which is absolutely incredible. But I think something that people can definitely learn from is knowing the downs that comes with the ups and how you get back from them. Because if someone is listening and they are currently in one of these downs or approaching them and, you know, they want a way out of it as well, they want to know how to manage it. So hearing it from you will literally be like, you know, a, a locking key mechanism. They get the tea and they get out exactly. So the first question of this segment is about challenges. Now, I'm sure over your journey of what, like seven years now, you've faced so many challenges, not just, you know, being in a male-dominated sports, but the racing, you know, racing in itself is extremely difficult. And it is, it's not the simplest thing in the world, which is why you only see hundreds of drivers out of billions of people. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you face throughout your journey? Um, throughout my journey, the biggest uh, challenge is for sure mileage, track mileage. I'm always the only driver getting in the track for the first time, or I don't have enough practice in this track. So that's one of the biggest challenges. As you know, track time is very important in racing to be within the pace or to improve or to learn the track better than everyone else. So that was my biggest challenge. Now, you know, I'm sure some, like you were saying in the beginning, you are a student and you're currently studying. So how is it like to, you know, balance uni that is demanding on its own and is terrible on its own with an entire racing career on the side? Um, it is difficult to balance in between, but uh, I do try to manage. I can multitask. I bring my work on track and I do whatever I can in between my sessions when I'm not busy with my engineers. And also I do contact the university and I inform them about my career, even though it's something new to them because they've never heard any student being a driver, but uh, they do try to be more reasonable and cooperate with me. That's absolutely amazing because, you know, there has to be support from both sides because both are extremely important and you can't just, you know, bench one and say, oh, you know, in the end of the day, like both are extremely important and I'm sure they complement each other too. And now, you know, with all of these challenges, was there ever a day or, you know, a time where you're like, where you thought of just calling it a day or, you know, it got too overwhelming where you're like, maybe just this isn't for me? Many times I went through that, um, especially in Formula 3 Asia. I got a lot of pressure because it was my home track. But at the same time, I haven't been in a car for over a year. So I had a lot of pressure. People didn't understand the fact that I was the only person who wasn't driving at all for a full year. And I just jumped straight into Formula 3, which is a huge difference to Formula 4. So that one was, at that point, I, w I hit rock bottom. I was, like, thinking a lot about it. But um, it's all part of the experience. I had this, I had a talk with my father, and he told me, you know, don't take this championship as something you have to, like, achieve or to prove to anybody. You take this championship as a test session, a test practice for you to get more knowledge on track and to gain that, rhythm back again and driving with the drivers absolutely and it's all part of the process that you're saying it's part of the experience there there are the ups and there are the downs and unfortunately mm -hmm. the downs could be a bit annoying but yeah. this is why the ups are there and now you know for the second part of this uh, sort of segment is the mistakes so what is a mistake that you know you made throughout your career as a racer that you think people can learn from 
I would say I do make, I do make a few crashes um, in racing. You know, that's something you should always avoid, you know, to get more track time and to give the me mechanics more time to rest for the next day. That was my biggest issue um, throughout my racing career. However, you know, it is what it is. You learn from it and hopefully, you know, you outcome that and making you more experienced to avoid that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, you have seven years of experience under your belt. You've raced in karting, you've raced in F4 and now racing in F3. So what would your advice be to someone that wants to get into motorsports or someone that wants to take, you know, their racing career to the next level, especially someone that is here in the Middle East? I would say for sure, for sure to start in karting, take some experience uh, nationally, then try to move up internationally. I would say it is very difficult um, at the start. You're not going to be winning. You're not going to be in the top 10 or the top five, depending on how many participants are in. But uh, I can guarantee you with a lot of practice and a lot of time, you will be making, getting results and your hard work will pay off. As you know, for me, it took me four years to win the championship. So it does take time. Definitely. But in the end of the day, it is absolutely worth it, I'm sure. And like you were just saying, it is very competitive, right? And it's not hard at all. It's it's not hard. No, scratch that. It is quite hard. So, you know, with it being extremely competitive, what do you think, you know, makes a driver stands out? And from what you've seen, like if someone wants to, you know, get into this, how can they stand out? What are these qualities that they need? For sure, you know, results and consistency always um, making it at the top and always being consistent. That's what makes a driver unique. But at the same time, you know, people in F1, they look more at the personalities of the drivers, like Kimi Raikkonen and Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> so they love how different the personality of a driver is and they fall in love with that. So, you know, it could switch up based on the fan base, but, uh, for sure to stand out, you need to, you need to be consistent. Definitely. And, you know, whenever you are doing something like, for example, with racing or whenever you venture into something like that, there's always this moment where like, I wish someone had told me about this, you know, how come no one told me about this? So did you ever have this thing or this moment you're like, why didn't anyone ever tell me about this? Or, you know, something that you wish you'd known before? I would say F4. Because I've known so many drivers who were still karting, but they were practicing in F4. And I had no idea about that as I'm still a newbie in this industry. And I was so annoyed <laughs> because everybody was practicing in my category in karting. And I was the only one feeling left out. So I felt unprepared and at a disadvantage. But then with time, I kept on doing my research. I had friends who were drivers and they would always keep me updated with what they're going to do next with what's their testing schedules like and you know keeping me always in the loop so i get to be more aware of what's happening well, that's absolutely incredible and now you know with all with everything that you're doing with you know your uni with your racing career and having been doing this for seven years now what are your future goals like where do you want to take your racing career next? For sure, um, 
competing in Formula Two. That's and that's like the tip. That's almost to F1, where you also like compete in the same racetracks as F1. That's where I want to reach. But the main main goal is Formula One for sure, which is something that's going to be extremely difficult. And I'm aware of the obstacles and challenges that I'll be facing. But I will um, I will do my best to go up there and try to find the right sponsorship to provide me with the enough track mileage so I could be within the top 10. I think that was really amazing because, you know, imagine having a Middle Eastern woman race in F1. Not only would you be representing, you know, our people, our culture, our colors, but you'd be representing literally continents. So I wish you the absolute best with all this. And I'm sure you're going to smash it and I'm sure that you will be able to achieve it. And now, you know, as we're getting closer towards the end of the interview, I usually like to end by asking a few questions that, Tell the people listening a bit more about you and about your take on things. So the first question is about success. So as Amna, how do you define success? I would define success as reaching your goals already. But um, always, you know, when you reach a goal, you always have a new goal and another new goal. That's when you actually succeed because you keep making new goals after reaching one goal. That's success defined to me so um it's not a full stop there it's keeping persisting keep on going keep on keeping on basically definitely and now you know for the last question how would you describe yourself in just three words i would say i'm very determined uh, a daredevil (laughs) and i would say also i'm very committed well, on that note, Amna, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Honestly, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on and to talk to you about your amazing journey and to know all about how you're paving the road for women in the motorsports industry in the Middle East. And I wish you all the best with the future goals. And I thank hope to one so day much. see you in Formula One. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Once again, thank you for tuning in and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Ali or follow the podcast so you can know when the next episode is out.